and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how you doing? Well, uh, I'm okay. I'm safe, Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Happy yeah. New Year. This is our first episode of 2022. Yeah. As you might have guessed, the listeners might have guessed, <laughs> it is still 2021 at the time of recording, Indeed. which is why it took me a second. But um, yeah, happy, happy New Year. No, I'm... Um, I'm feeling safe from Adam McKay because I didn't <laughs> post a review. Have you of, marked yourself as safe? I didn't post a review of, of don't look up. I'll talk more about don't look up the next time we do a, uh, a, a movie journal. It's um, I will say it's <coughs> not nearly as bad as vice. Okay. And not quite as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be, but it's still not a good movie. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to find, and now I can't. Okay. Okay. Oh boy. Here is what Adam McKay tweeted. This is this. I feel like that our top of the show, like topic has become like what's going on on film Twitter. Sure. <laughs> but um, I need Adam, to know these things without actually being on there. Adam McKay. Well, let's start. Okay. This is, this is, uh, you know, Twitter used to just be 140 characters. Now it's 280. I think this is yeah. an argument in favor of being 280 because there's fun stuff to unpack here, mm. which is let's start with the first sentence of what he said, which is loving all the heated debate about our movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I guarantee he's not loving all the yeah, heated no. debate. What he means is I'm trying to be diplomatic about the fact that every critic hates our movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, at least it's better. Cause I, I, cause I did see the, uh, the, the Twitter response by, um, Seth Rogen about what is it? Santa, Santa Inc. Or something like that. I didn't, uh, I didn't see this. No. It was this again. I haven't watched it. Very few people have watched it as a parent. And those that have say it's awful. Uh, it's like an HBO miniseries. It's done in sort of a Rankin Bass kind of way. Okay. Um, and and it and it's there as a lot of Seth Rogen stuff is. It is half acidly uh, political um, and okay. just very very yeah. broad and all that sort of thing. Uh, and so and it was not getting good reviews and you know for and of course he comes in and says, it's like something like uh well we're making we're pissing off the right kind of people it's like oh uh, this is exhausting that's that kind of ties in because that t kind of ties into what adam mckay well this will be for this is this is part of the fun of doing this film twitter thing is because you are always fresh eyes yes on this so you can help us unpack is adam mckay really saying what he's being accused of saying here okay so he says loving all the heated debate about our movie but which still makes me laugh but if you don't have at least a small ember of anxiety about the climate collapsing or the u.s teetering i'm not sure don't look up makes any sense it's like a robot viewing a love story why are their faces so close together and so what a lot of people have taken this to mean mm. is that basically disliking don't look up is the same as being a climate science denier <laughs> yeah it's it's bill maher uh presenting best documentary the year that religious came out and it was not nominated where he 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 was the presenter and he mentioned that it wasn't nominated and then there was like a slight 
uh, chuckle from the audience. And then he goes, he goes, no, no, religion is a very sensitive topic. It's like, hey, uh, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. You, you said like, hey, no, hey, I get it. I get it. And it's like, no, I don't think you do. Yeah. I think you are saying what you need to say, what you need to tell yourself uh, to convince yourself that the reason it wasn't nominated isn't because it's a bad movie, but because people couldn't handle it, man. Now I, it I wanna, feels like that. I want to look up what the nominees actually were that year to see if they were all very safe topics. Sure. sure yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it's the Academy. So <laughs> it could probably, have been, yeah. yeah, that probably was, but it doesn't make Bill Mars point. Correct. So this seems to, I don't know if this is like, I want to give Adam McKay the benefit of the doubt. And that's not actually what he's, what he's saying, but I think, uh, well, I guess what I want to talk about here more than is, disliking don't look up uh, the same as climate uh, science denial is the way that things get flattened on Twitter. Sure. Y- you know, like um, <laughs> people just run with an interpretation of a thing and retweet and every, with every retweet, it gets flatter and flatter and right. people like it become, people go more to one side or the other. Um, do you know, I mean, you're, you've mostly avoided Twitter, I think for this reason. No, I, 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 the conversation eventually just becomes sometimes about itself and anything like intent, uh, or, con- or certainly context, uh, is removed. And, and then eventually people are just debating each other's interpretations and not, and maybe even are removed from what sparked the whole thing. So how do you, how is film Twitter taking sort of the way I did just now? Well how, well, how would you describe how you just took it? Like, I, if I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, yeah, Twitter, I, film Twitter is not giving him the, the okay. benefit of the doubt because film Twitter is mostly made up of at least the film Twitter that I'm a part of is film critics or people who are like the film. Yeah, there's a, people who are sympathetic to film critics. There's film critics. There's also a lot of film Twitter that is absolutely not sympathetic to film critics. Sure, and that's like the MCU Twitter and the and mm-hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, most of this are people like taking this as an attack on critics or at the very least a misunderstanding of what critics value, what a critic's role is and what criticism means, which I'm definitely sympathetic to that. Like, sure. Is, is Adam McKay not capable of processing the idea that people might be sympathetic to his politics, but still think that he made a bad movie, that he made his point in a bad way or, or that the movie is the things it's being accused of being, which is very uh, broad and condescending and, and screechy and shrill and, yeah. um, and obnoxious and, and thin and superficial and all these things um, is is Adam McKay, and maybe this is, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an artist. Maybe this is something Adam McKay has to do to like protect himself. Maybe he has to say like, no, they don't like my movie because of these like politics reasons or, or, or whatever. Um, in, instead of absorbing the actual substance of the criticisms. I mean, it's certainly, I'll say, I'll, I'll say this and, and I think it's, I think it's, it's worth comparing. Uh, I've certainly seen plenty of like, uh, 
directors of, of Christian films, which obviously have a message to get across and often do so clunkily, uh, if I'm being generous. Um, and then there are people that will, uh, those that do see them tend to, th- there, there are a handful of people that are so on board with the message, they don't care about the film itself. Uh, and then, but then anybody who cares about film as an art form are just like, oh, you could have done this much, much better. Mm-hmm. And there, there definitely have been directors who jump to their own defense and, and they're in, uh, they're basically defending their intention and because they're thinking so firmly about what they meant that in, in their mind, or maybe again, maybe it is something that they just need to tell themselves in their mind. uh, It's like, well, this was the intent. So if you don't like it, you must not like what my intent was. Um, And so I, I do think there probably can be a bit of a disconnect when, especially with a film like, don't look up similar to vice similar to um the big short not to suggest the type of movie uh they are but you know he i think he leads with he's led with anger and he's led with frustration and i think there tends to be in his directing style and his in his writing style there's a certain histrionic quality to it that sometimes comedically can really work and other times as we've discussed in vice doesn't and I think for a good portion, uh, it, there were a handful of, p- of critics that really did not like Vice, but for the most part, it was very rewarded by the Academy and all that sort of thing. I think this is the first time that an instinct that has served him well, and it's still just him trying to express a, a, a frustration uh, artistically. I think this is the first time that that, that instinct has been questioned and and I don't necessarily want to like come down on him. Uh, but yeah, it's like when, when you've been told, when you're told over and over again, like, Hey, we love what you're doing. And then you just do what in your mind is just the same thing. Uh, you start to think like, Oh, well it must be the issue itself because mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything different. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, I want to address two things you said. One, you said that his movies are motivated by anger and frustration. I think that's very much true of the big short. And that's one of the things that I liked about the big short. Mm-hmm. I think vice is more motivated by condescension than sure than anger. And I think don't look up is probably still more <laughs> condescending than angry, but has some, like it, it has some like actual, like righteous indignation to it that I think, yeah, that's why I say it's not nearly as bad as, as vice. So that's just that. I just want to, and again, well, I'll talk about more of that. We'll talk about that more on the next movie journal yeah. episode. Um, but the other thing you said, you mentioned the Oscars because that's where some other people have taken this, some sort of like conspiracy theorist type people have saying like, Oh, this is a ploy to equate disliking. Don't look up with being anti climate scientist is and like an Oscar PR like oh. campaign move that 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 you're going to help the movie's chances with the Academy by getting it in people's minds that like, oh, voting for this movie is saying I care about the environment. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't know that Adam McKay is actually thinking that, but I also don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out that that might be an, a side effect of what ha- what has happened here. There there have been some pretty shameless oscar things um you know for 12 years a slave there was like an ad that for an fyc ad that said like it's time 
or something like that. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's just, I mean, look, it's, it's a movie about something that's, that's quite horrifying, but like, it's not like this film's nomination is going to fix everything, you know? (laughs) Um, But they're definitely playing into not the film, but what the film is about to, to try to uh, garner support. So I wouldn't be surprised. um, But I also don't think that Adam McKay cares that much about, uh, about, the Oscars. Maybe I'm wrong, but, um, well, you just remember this is, um, this is getting way off topic and then we can just get into the, <clears throat> the episode and everything. Um, but you reminded me, you mentioned 12 years of slave and it reminded me of one of my favorite tweets of all time. Okay. On November 6, 2013 <coughs> Paris Hilton, more on her uh, oh Paris boy. Hilton tweeted, just watched hashtag 12 years of slave. It made me so a- sad, angry, and disgusted that people could ever treat each others in such a horrible way. Frowny face emoticon hashtag. So wrong. <laughs> 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 which, which I was thinking of recently because a Paris Hilton movie tweet, uh, got passed around again. Uh, a, a new one showed up recently, which is like, uh, so funny that I think Natalie and I actually had a discussion. Like, does she she knows what she's doing here, right? Right. So someone tweeted at Paris. So at Paris, at Paris Hilton, did you watch House of Gucci? <laughs> it's not romantic at all, but it's very entertaining. And she replied, "I want to watch it, but it's only playing in movie theaters, and I'm on my honeymoon on a private island." <laughs> That's. I mean, is the, it that is absolutely what like a parody account would say? The, yeah, yeah, but it's. But she is, I mean, she did recently get married, so we know that to, sure. be, to be true. So uh, it's probably true, but I, I think she, I wonder if she knows what she's doing. Um, I don't know. That's, that's almost, I, well, I, it's so perfect. Yeah. And, and maybe we're all underestimating her, her sense of humor and self-awareness. Um, well, as I've said for years, and I've said on this podcast before, there's a part of me that will always be sympathetic to Paris Hilton because of the house of wax uh, sure. ad campaign that made me feel so bad for her. Yeah. Uh, I, I, to rehash it. I'm sure the listeners know, cause we talked about it before to rehash it. Like Paris Hilton was an actress in the movie house of wax. It's a slasher type, you know, horror movie. Yeah. So her, par- her, her character gets killed. And then there were like literally like billboards and shit that were like, see Paris die, like playing yeah. on like sort of uh uh, pop culture, you, you know, um, exhaustion with the whole Paris Hilton simple life type of thing that was happening at, at that time. And it always felt like, I always felt so, because there's like, she didn't sign up, uh, right. to, 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 for that, like she signed up to be an actress in, in the movie. It also well, happened like a much, a much more, uh, a, a much smaller and less offensive version that happened. Uh, Paris Hilton shows up as an actress in one episode of Veronica Mars early okay. in season one. And then late in season one, there's a character who like has gone the, whatever the 2004 version of viral was for like some bad sure. behavior at a party. And she's like, and she says something like, I'm going to be a laughing stock, like Paris Hilton or that star Wars kid. And that felt like very, like mm. you had her on the show, but like, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't, that's not nearly as mean as show up, buy a ticket to this movie to see <coughs> Paris Hilton get 
I think like impaled through the forehead on like it with like a camping spike or something. Oh, I, my. I saw the movie and I think that's how she dies. It's been a long time. Now I will, I will say I've seen, um, Oh, what's it called? I think it's called crystal Lake memories. And then there was never sleep again. It's these very long yeah, I remember documentaries about, about Friday the 13th and, and uh, nightmare on Elm street respectively. And one thing that they do say that like all, cause they interview basically everybody that has ever been in these movies. And a lot of these younger actors say like, Oh, I was a big fan of the series and I was just so excited to see how I was going to die. Like, so it is possible that Paris Hilton was like a fan of these types of movies. She had to have known that her being a part of it is itself a stunt. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I don't know if that means maybe she signed on to like, no, really play up that I'm that, that I'm, that I die. Um, but yeah, it's, so I guess, yeah, I, guess wrong, I, I still don't, I don't like the, I, I don't like the instincts yeah. uh, that it's playing on regardless of whether, whether yeah. she's on board or not that, that they thought, Oh, this will work. This will yeah. get people to the theater. I think I, I'm not thrilled with that. But yeah, I like the idea that she's like Phil Hartman's Ronald Reagan. Like, uh, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> as soon yeah. as the cameras are off, he's like a, a hard ass, like you know, uh, strategic general type. Uh, man, oh man, you, it's there are days when I feel very old indeed, and the fact that and the fact that you referenced and I laughed at this sketch from the eighties. Featuring an actor who who died many years ago, oh, like at this 25 point. years ago. Something yeah, like uh, it was like, I think it was 98, 99. Okay. I don't remember exactly, but it's been quite a while. And so like, yeah. but that that sketch is is like very palpable for, yeah. for us. And we were young at the time. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, kind of sad. All right. Well. Uh, before we go any further, I'm going to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, I was using mine to, as I will be doing um, uh, for weeks to come, um, listening to all of, all of the best metal albums of 2021 or, or what other people are saying are the best metal albums of 2021 to try and like catch up, see if I missed anything. And I uh, listened to uh re-listen i actually listened to this early in the year um the metalheads are gonna like say this isn't a metal album and that's kind of the point uh a band called chrome waves who were sort of had been a metal sort of like you know the term black gaze do you know that that term no. i talked about it? okay well it's like a mixture of like black metal and shoe gaze it's uh also sometimes derisively referred to as hipster metal oh, okay. um they had been that kind of band before their new album, the rain will cleanse. They're one of two basically like bands who were in this hipster metal category. The other bigger, much bigger one being deaf heaven who both released albums in 2021 that are essentially not metal albums. They have a couple of metal like ingredients in the mix, but it almost felt like both of these bands had like spent so long of metal, like hearing metal fans tell them they're not really metal. They were like, fuck it. Let's both make non-metal albums this year. So I was listening, re-listening to the Chrome waves album, the rain will cleanse. And it's, yeah, it's not really metal, but it's very good. And it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price 
and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, then. We're back, and let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Sort of, uh, I guess, sort of a companion piece to last week's episode. Because last week when we were talking about age gap uh, relationships in movies, I kind of, I feel like I kind of went out of my way to describe this as something that is like, I don't think that this makes a movie bad. You know, right? It's just it's something I notice in movies that 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 tends to at least for a moment or so get me thinking about something outside of what I should be thinking about in the movie. You know, yeah. and so we decided to kind of uh, run with that and just like have fun talking about weird personal hangups and roadblocks we have uh, that that pop up when we're watching movies that take us out of movies. Now, this is I, I was making my list earlier today, and I need to be very careful because you can only talk about hangups for so long before at least I could only list them for so long before I started dipping into like certain plot choices that or like story choices or structure choices that really bother me. It's like, that's a different with with a couple of, with a couple of exceptions, because sometimes it's like a character type, which for personal, for my own reasons, like bother me. Um, But I needed to be very careful about that Um, because this isn't, it could be argued that none of the stuff we're saying is going to be, could be considered legitimate criticism. Uh, Yeah. It's not, this is about us, which last week was about us. Too, yeah. or at least for me was about me um but also kind of about the discourse um and 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 trying to say you know i think last week what i was trying to say is that like i'm not <laughs> i'm not without a smidge of sympathy for the people piling on licorice pizza i get where they're coming from but that um that doesn't make the movie bad um or doesn't make or an age cap in a relationship doesn't make any movie bad necessarily. Um, and so, uh, uh, where I ended up coming down with a lot on this is like depictions of certain real world, like professions or like jobs, things that I have experience in, um, or not just professions. Like, well, I'll say what's weird as I'd already been thinking about this before the age gap thing, because as you and I, um, talked about, I think on the podcast, maybe off podcast, um, the 2021, uh, Leo's Carrick's film, Annette is very right. good. It's, te- it's tearing up the, the, the best of lists this, this, uh, end of year time. <coughs> but, um, and I really liked it, but also Adam driver's character is a stand up comic in the movie. And that's often like the, a, a huge thing for me. And we talked about it. I can't remember because all the pandemic time is all like, yeah. you know, uh, mixed up in my head. I can't remember when exactly we had Wayne Fetterman on the show, but we, what was one thing we talked about is how rarely stand up comedy is depicted in a way that seems 
at all real or believable or honest in movies. Like you could count, you can count on one hand, the number of times you've, you've seen it done well. And Annette was a particularly egregious example. And I understand like, it's a high concept musical. Sure. His version of stand-up comedy is not meant to be like the real world version of stand-up comedy. Anyway, I, I get that. And that actually helped a lot in watching the movie, but there's still a part of me that couldn't stop thinking about like the people who, the, the, the Sparks brothers who wrote, um, the came up with the story and wrote the music and stuff like do that. I, I wonder sometimes if, if people from, because people, I think stand up comedy is to get highfalutin about it. It's maybe the most undiluted performing art. Yeah. But I think sometimes or often in general, it's if people think of it as an art at all, they think of it as a lower art form. And so people who are coming at stand up comedy from an art world position can't conceive of stand up comedy as anything but bad performance art. Oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? And that's that's what Adam Driver's character <laughs> internet is doing is bad performance art. And to the movie's credit, like I think it's supposed to be bad. Okay. <laughs> but it's still I still kept thinking like this has so this has almost nothing whatsoever to do with stand-up comedy. Uh this feels like uh Steve Buscemi's character in life lessons. If you know, I was like, just thinking that, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of thing it feels like. And I'm wondering if like if someone who comes from an art world who isn't exposed to stand-up comedy is or do they have a, tr- a tough time even conceiving of a false version of it? I think. What was I? I, I was. Uh, oh, that's right. I was listening to because, again, I don't read books anymore. I uh, can't do that. I got to listen to things while I do the dishes and clean up toys and all that kind of thing. Um, but I was listening to um, Jerry Seinfeld's new book uh which contains a lot of his bits but also has introductions and he said that like when he was a kid and he first saw a stand-up comedian he was a i mean he was he's like how he was amazed and he thought how did they do that did they just go up and start talking like and what he's essentially as a kid even though he's not he's not aware of this what he's aware of is the effortlessness the the appearance of effortlessness by a good standup. Like they, like they know they're not coming up with this stuff on the fly occasionally because they are funny people. They can, they can throw something out maybe, but it's couched in a very well honed and crafted act and persona and cadence and all of that. And so I do think it's very possible because I'm, this was one of mine as well. Um, because it's something you and I've talked about. It's like, and it keeps happening. Like, this you you think this shit would have stopped with punchline, but no, it's still happening. Um, I was looking up uh, sort of as a as a function of this. I was like, what are some of my least favorite movies of the last few years? And there is that movie uh, Last Laugh with Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfus. And of those two, Richard Dreyfus plays the stand up, uh, the former stand up. Uh, that that uh, same year, I think that movie uh, Late Night with Emma Thompson. Right. 
Emma Thompson can be a tremendously funny actress, but it's such a different skill set. But that's the problem is I think that movie people or, you know, highfalutin people, as you would, as you might think, <laughs> um, I think they mistake the the appearance of effortlessness for ease. And I think they I think they think it's easy. Because it's like, well, hey, it's just one person there. Like, they don't have to make this call or that call. They don't have to work with the studio or anything like that. It's like, yeah, they don't. But also, this is a, I mean, it needs to be like well honed and there's tremendous craft that goes into it. And yeah, if, and there's also just like a body language thing. You and I have seen enough stand up and we've seen good and bad. And even the bad ones, there is a certain degree of comfort with the audience and the fact that they're, they don't have anywhere to hide. And when you see even the best actors, they can't mimic that because it's something that just comes naturally over doing good sets, doing bad sets, all that sort of thing. And it is fascinating to me that they're still doing this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it is. I mean, I'm where neither of us is a, is a stand-up comic, but I, it's, I, I really want to like steer clear of trying to imply that someone who is a theatrical, like a stage actor doesn't, I don't want to imply that they don't have a relationship with the audience while they're well, performing, of course not. but it's a different relationship yes. than a stand-up has. And I, I think that is often uh, uh, where a lot of the falseness comes in the way that they're, they're playing to the audience is different than the way that a stand-up plays yes, to, to the audience because not that one is either one is better or worse, but is it, it's a different relationship to the audience. And that's, I think that's a big part of what, like with the Robert De Niro and the comedian or whatever, right. it's just like, I just don't, I, I don't buy it. He's up there acting, you know, he's not. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, uh, I didn't mention this. We talked about when I talked about Mickey Reese's Agnes, on the movie journal, a recent movie, Sean Gunn's character is a stand-up, and we see a brief bit of stand-up, and it's. I think that's a. That's one way to do it is that as little as possible. Sure, <laughs> just a little bit of stand-up, and I actually do <laughs> like buy that this guy's a uh, a stand-up that he has that mix of like this is something that I've written and performed before, but also this thing that I'm doing right now is the only time that this will happen this particular way. I think that's a big, uh, uh, that's, that's part of the, the mixture. And I think Sean Gunn, um, I would buy him as a stand up. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he gets it right. But again, it's a, it's a tiny little scene. Most of his scenes in the movie are not him doing stand up. Yeah. but, um, yeah. So that was my number one, uh, because of a net, of uh, uh, personal hang up or roadblock that I have. All right. My number one, and I think I've said it on the show before, but it's, it's, a, it's so stupid and specific, but I guess that's the nature of it, isn't it? Uh, of what we're talking about. All right. I think I was first aware of this when I saw scent of a woman, but I've seen it countless times since then. Okay. There's a scene where uh, uh, a guy is not wearing pants. He's wearing boxers and he puts pants on. And then he just zips them up and buttons them up. Okay. <laughs> I and never my, thought of this, but now oh, I will. Oh, and yeah. my first thought is like, they're bunched up. Yeah. What you do you straighten out the box? You, you've got to straighten out. Here's this leg. Here's that leg. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not something that's necessary with, with briefs. And then like, it's even a little bit necessary with boxer briefs, but with bo just straight up boxer shorts. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. And so they'll just do that. I'm like, you're ruining, you're ruining your day. You're ruining my day. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't. And like, certainly the rest of the scene is ruined because in my mind, I can, I can say like, well, at the very least between scenes, this character must've fixed it. Um, yeah, cause yeah. there have been, there have been days, uh, <clears throat> in my life where just through, just through no fault of my own, like, you know, like in high school, like gym class or something like that, where you're running and just like, Oh, these are all bunched up. It's like, Oh, and it's, it's the only thing I can think about. Yeah. And yeah. so, and it's, it's, it's exactly what happens I, when I see that in film. I'm trying to remember what is the Rodney Dangerfield movie where he, this is like in a boardroom with like, I don't know. He's like pitching ideas for clothes or something. One of the things he says is like trousers with an extra long zipper so that you can reach in and adjust your boxers. Oh man. <laughs> I, I don't remember that one, but yes, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, the first one that popped into my mind because it's so it's, re it's relatable to me, but it's just, it's so palpable for me. Yeah. Oh, I see. So you're making me think of ones I hadn't thought of that are more like funny like that. Like, well, everyone knows, I feel like it's been talked about to death the way that people in movies, like hang up the phone without saying goodbye, yeah. which is always yeah. weird or like make plans to meet without hammering out like date yeah. time and location. Like, okay, I'll see you. Okay. I'll see you Thursday. How about di you want to have, di you want to have lunch on Thursday? Sounds great. It's like, where are we? Like, yeah. where are we meeting? What do we, yeah, that's a, that's a funny one. And that, uh, that also reminds me of, because I mentioned this topic to Natalie and she brought up something that bothers her. Okay. It's the, usually the mom has made a breakfast for the kids. And for some reason mm -hmm. she has like two kids, but she's made breakfast for like six people. And the yeah. kids are like, grabbing a piece of toast and like gotta go mom and there's just like a pile of pancakes and a big yeah. like pan full of scrambled eggs just sitting there like uh being wasted that always that that bothers natalie <laughs> well and it's obviously i think it's supposed to bother you because it's supposed to show like the 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 callousness of the kids or whatever it is like they're just not aware of what their mom's doing but after a certain point it's like you think she'd learn yeah because i guarantee this is not the first time this has happened yeah. How much bacon are you throwing away? <laughs> exactly. Every day. Oh, so I mean, because, because like I, you know, we, we, uh, feed our kids three times a day and breakfast is, you know, you gotta be. Cause like they have not eaten for in, in, in our case, like for many, many hours. So they're starving. So you gotta be like ready immediately. Mm -hmm. And once they started eating solid food, like we learned, roughly like how much they we learn quickly how much they will eat and uh -huh. how much they will not eat and it's like well we can't be spending this you know what am i rockefeller like i can't be spending money on eggs like this um but uh yeah and so she would she should learn what was the man for the life of me i can't remember what it was it might have been simpsons it might have been i feel like it was an animated show um where somebody comes home and uh comes home late from work. And then the other person, cause it's meant to be like a, a, a type of domestic thing. And uh, the other person's like, he goes, well, the chicken is, is, is ruined. You know uh, it's like, it's completely dried out uh, from, from being in the oven. And the guy's like, couldn't you have just taken it out of the oven? And, and, so like, <laughs> and then she's like, Oh, and, and, and is just so aghast at that. And so, yeah, it's the kind of thing where like, I get why they do it, but yeah. it's the kind of thing that, yeah, that doesn't make a great deal of sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll go back to you before I 
uh, I have more Natalie inspired ones to go with. Okay. Uh, okay. One that gets me and this might, again, this might be a, 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 a larger thing. Um, character names, um, specifically just, there's such a shorthand. Um, so like if there's a character named Albert, unless he is Einstein, he's not going to be your lead. He's not going to be a hero. He's probably going to be at best, a, a, a funny supporting character or someone that's meant to be dismissed by the audience. But then there are also like cool character names for me, as much as I like the sixth sense, the moment I heard that Bruce Willis's name was Malcolm Crow, I was like, what are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, and it's just that sort of thing. It's like, I suppose those characters do uh, those, those names do exist in real life. Ethan Hawke sounds completely like a stage name, but it's apparently his actual name. But for the most part, it's, so I you got know, a problem it, with bird names. <laughs> it sounds like, I guess I do Crow Hawk. Uh, Raven. There's, there's Bob Vulture. You, you, um, hate, you hate that. So Raven, I, <laughs> I Raven Simone did come into that uh, blockbuster that I used to work at. And as I mentioned, she uh, became my, my test uh, because she treated me what seemed to me to be poorly. And then I realized like, no, hang on. Did she treat me more? Did she treat me worse than an average customer? And I realized, right. like, no, she has not. Uh, I'm only noticing it yeah, that's because thing, she is famous. That's I, I hate to feel bad for famous people, but that's something I noticed, like, right away when I first moved out here. I would, like, be a PA, like, on sets or in offices. You'd hear stories <laughs> about, like, oh, this person's so difficult. And it just means, like, you mean they didn't go out of the way to have a conversation with you while they're at work? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and I feel I felt, started to feel bad for actors who felt like they had to like uh be on and nice all the time just so people would not think they're a piece of shit it's just let you know it's a it's a workplace you know and then just to reinvigorate this mystery uh because we haven't talked about it in a while uh there was one person that did treat me genuinely terribly who mm -hmm. has since been on the show mm -hmm. yeah um we're never going to say who no, it we're is, not say it. but I like to, I, every once in a while, I like to throw that out there because people were guessing for a while. So you can keep those guesses coming if you want. You're never going to, sure, yeah, we're it. never, we're never going to confirm it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, for all you know, that, people, you already have guessed it right. And we exactly. will never tell you. Um, but uh, it was Scott and I, anyway, the point is <laughs> um, it's, so that's the thing. It's like, that's like a script thing, but it's the kind of thing where when I hear names that are just so obviously meant to be dorky or obviously meant to be villainous or obviously meant to be heroic what or cool, uh, you know, it's the first thing that you're, that you're hearing about this character. And when they indicate so clearly that does, you know, it takes me out of it because you don't hear names like that in with a couple well, of exceptions, you don't hear that, names like that in real life. The thing I think that, that I think about and that's if, if someone's like name is supposed to be a shorthand for this person's like gross or a loser. Sure. I start thinking like, Oh, what if there's someone named <coughs> Ethel? Oh yeah. Watching this movie right now and just like got insulted. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I remember uh, similarly, there's this, I, uh, the young me, when I first saw Dick Tracy, but this, this concept can, can go to names as well. Um, I remember thinking like, well, maybe all these people became criminals because they were so ugly and everybody treated them so poorly. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought when I was eight and saw the movie. I love it's it. Like, it's like, maybe this person has a name that people just 
think is is unheroic or whatever and they treated them accordingly and so it's like well i guess i have to do this now yeah that's that, that's there's probably some truth to that so anytime um, they do that in film i'm treating it as like a social critique um so actual social critique and this is one that i Okay, I'm going to lump together social workers and therapists. Okay. Because even before my wife became a social worker, I used to think about therapy, but I now with social workers in movies, I think about this so much and I I can't help it because I know what my wife does for a living. Mm -hmm. And I think actual real (laughs) therapy or social work is just not inherently cinematic because it's never done right (laughs) in in movies there's i don't think there's ever been a fully ethical therapist character in a movie or a tv show they're always like passing judgment revealing too much about themselves getting involved like because actual therapy i think when people think about therapy they think oh this would be a great like setting for a one act play because they're like breakthroughs or whatever but it's like yeah there are breakthroughs or whatever but when you need like you need six weeks of sessions where people just talk about like, yeah, whatever, like a phone call they got from their mom or like, you know, what their boss said to them, like boring shit for weeks on end is the only thing yeah. that leads to a, uh, a breakthrough. There aren't actually, and, and, and therapists on TV and movies <clears throat> like Dr. Melfi of all, you know, as much as I love her, like she is way too involved, reveals way too much for herself. Um, they're always like pushing the action as it were they're they're yeah. they're they're driving things which is um not at least i guess hannibal the tv show hannibal he's supposed to be an unethical therapist right. so when he's doing like i can't remember what they call it psychic psychic driving or whatever it's they, they hmm. call it something in the first season it's an actual term that i had to look up um uh but like sort of like inception, like placing suggestions in the patient's mind. Like when he's doing that, it's supposed to be bad therapy. So that makes sense. But, uh, I do maintain, I do maintain that of all the different, um, movie and TV therapists. And I understand artistically why they have to, you know, cut to the chase. Um, I do think that Judd Hirsch's character in ordinary people, the way he carries himself and the way those scenes are written, obviously you're dealing with Tim, Timothy Hutton's character the character is dealing with very immediate trauma, the death of his brother and his, his suicide attempt. So of course that he's in the midst of a, of a tough situation. He's not talking about like the day-to-day stuff, but nonetheless, I do like the way that character is written. It really doesn't feel like he's leading the kid in down a certain path. Uh, like I, I remember there's just a very, there's a very uh, uh, therapist type exchange where Timothy Hutton like smiles a little bit and cause he thought something to himself and Judd Hurst says like, it's like, Oh, what, what are you thinking? He was, he was like, uh, that I jerk off a lot. And then, <laughs> and Judd Hurst is like, does it help? And it's just like, it's, that just seems like there's no judgment there. Uh, and there's yeah. just, just act asking. It's like, well, this, you clearly thought this. So why were you thinking that? And, and let's head down that path. And that always seemed very honest to me. I've been to a number of therapists and I constantly talk about, (laughs) 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 I couldn't say that anyway. um, But yeah, that one always seemed real to me. Yeah. I've also, I I need to go back to therapy because I was like, I was in therapy for three years and I feel like I like 
I mean, as an adult, I was also in therapy like a little bit when I was younger, but like as an adult, I was in therapy for three years. And like, I feel like I, uh, got through a lot of shit, but then sometimes something will come up in my life now that I'm like, how did I, how did I go for therapy to therapy for three years and never talk about this clearly monumental like yeah. hang up that I have anyway, we're not here to like, uh, talk about therapy. Uh, what I want to talk about more, the thing that I've noticed more now is social workers, either often social workers are depicted as bad at their jobs, but like, because people don't know what social workers actually do or the opposite is that social workers are not present when they ought to be. I talked about, mm. I'll talk about two 2021 movies. Um, there was the movie Palmer that, uh, Justin Timberlake uh, oh, yeah. was in. So the premise here is that he is a convict recently out on parole for a violent crime. He has gone to move in with his grandmother. That's only like living relative. He has like, what's the game? So he's still on parole. He's living with his grandmother. His grandmother has a renter who rents like a, uh, an RV on her property or whatever, who has a small child, which, so that's the first red flag, like that, or that should raise a red flag with a social worker. There's a child on the property and this is a convicted violent felon. Like yeah. is is are they going to be alone like what's that should already be a question then the grandmother dies and the boy's mom who's a drug addict goes off like runs off and leaves the boy alone and so the movie is palmer the <laughs> justin Timberlake character essentially like becoming a father figure to this child and the school teacher like knows it's happening and actually has like a little bit of a romance with palmer and like Palmer's high school buddy is now like on the police force. There's multiple mandated reporters who know what's going on and social work is like almost never mentioned in the, yeah. in the entire movie. And, and like, I look, the movie is bad for other reasons. That's not why it's bad, but that is something the whole time that I'm like, there's no, how someone would be called. And if they weren't at least one of these people, the teacher or the cop would be reprimanded, if not lose their job for, yeah. for knowing this was going on and not. Oh, they'd it. lose their job. 100%. Um, yeah. Um, and then the other 2021 movie is uh, antlers. The uh, Scott oh, yeah. Cooper horror movie where Carrie Russell's character is a school teacher and finds out something's gone like going wrong with one of her students. And like, basically like, with, there's no paperwork or anything basically like i guess somewhat of a spoiler for antlers but like makes the decision to essentially adopt this boy like as if that's something a school teacher could just do like ooh, my one of my students is uh in a in a bad situation i'll take it from here uh who else is gonna do it and there's like they make some reference of like the principal called a social worker once and that's like the only reference to it in the entire movie um and again these movies are both bad for other reasons, but I just wanted to like bring this up as something. Oh, I'd have a third. This is a much, a third 2021 movie. And this is a, a compared to that. It's a, it's a much smaller offense, but it, it, but I think it's more to the heart of what we're talking about of like something that, or really, so I'm talking about here, like someone who does, isn't married to a social worker mm -hmm. might not have like, thought of this but king richard i can't remember. did you see king richard yes um okay so there's the part he like is making his daughters practice tennis in the rain and there's the nosy neighbor across the street who was like yeah. threatened to call social services whatever he comes home from the practice in the rain and the social worker is there with two police officers yeah and that i think 
if you don't, if you aren't like, like I said, married to a social worker, especially my, my wife spent two years in emergency response. She was that, that she was that social worker. So like, I know exactly like a, a call, like my neighbor is making his daughters play tennis in the rain. That's not like an immediate threat. There's no way that's right. not a, that's not an, an, an emergency response. That's not a show up right away type of call first that's like investigate this in the next three to 30 days or whatever <laughs> like uh, however it gets it gets flagged uh and then b it, a social worker does not show up with cops unless they absolutely think there's a th- because that's just it's just a bad way to do your job because right. a social worker wants to the family to trust them you know and showing up with two cops after hours for a call that's not like physical abuse, you know, or, or, or a, a threat of violence or, or, or of history of violence or whatever, uh, is just, it's just bad social work. Again, I keep wanting to say this because I really feel like maybe I didn't make this point enough last week. I'm not saying this makes the movie bad. It's just yeah. the kind of thing that I notice Yeah, and, because of my and- personal experience along those lines, you're talking about adoption uh, and having been through adoption, having taken many, many, many classes on adoption and read uh, a number of books and all that. And the fact that, I mean, whew, the finalization process takes a while. The idea that it's just like, Hey, uh, in the movies, like, Hey, this kid uh, doesn't have uh, uh, anybody to look after them. I'll do it. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably I I can probably just put an X somewhere uh, on a piece of paper and be fine. Yeah, yeah no. No, I'll just fill out that one form. Yeah, our kids are 18 months. They've uh-huh. they, like they've been like we are in we are responsible for them legally. Uh, we are their official guardian, and it's still not finalized. Wow! Like they were born in 20 like they were born in 2020. It will not be finalized until 2022 unless something really happens in the next less than 24 hours, I guess, yeah. I guess 24 hours. Um, so yeah. Uh, so you look at that and it's like, that's ridiculous. But then also it's like when you're uh, <laughs> uploading something and it gets hung up at 99%. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. And it's not as though, and that's the other thing is like when we tell, when we've told like family members that they're like, they're like, so does that mean that something could happen? And, and it's like, no, nothing's going to happen where the kids are, you know, are, are uh, put back with, you know, their, their birth family or whatever. It's not that it's just kind of being in this much, much, much further along than limbo, but still not officially there, which the biggest hang up is taxes and uh, declaring dependence and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but anyway, that's not here nor there. Uh, I have a the, question, but I don't know if it's an on air or off air question. Oh, okay. Um, so we might have to cut it if you don't want okay. this answered is legally officially is the boy's last name Smith. Yes. Okay. So that's done. Yes. Okay. Um, but, uh, and you know, what's interesting, incidentally, slight uh, tangent. I, because we only refer to them by their first names. Mm-hmm. I forget that they, that their last name is Smith. It's not as though, and it's not as though I, I think of the birth family in that regard. That's not the issue. Um, it's more just like, Oh yeah, 
that's weird. I feel like I I would think this way with like a biological child as well. Uh, it's like, well, that's just Ashley and Jasper. It's like, oh, but they've got, oh, they've got my last name as well. Yeah. I've said their names on here before. It's fine. You have. Okay. Well, I didn't know if you had yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, uh, <laughs> yes, there's not a situation where you're going to have to like introduce them by their full names, you know? Well, it's uh, <laughs> like they're showing up at the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, eventually you know when they get in trouble and i need to let them know that they're in trouble <laughs> i can say their first middle and last name but they haven't done anything they're just adorable right now um but yeah uh, you know that you mentioned adoption and so uh th- there's the adoption process certainly but it's also just the way and this is something that unless you've been through the process and you take the classes like and and certainly uh, times have changed especially in the last 20 to 30 years in regards to terms that are used um the idea of giving up a child for adoption that's not really a term that's used anymore Mm. and putting up for adoption uh is also not something it's um well now i'm trying to i'm now i'm trying to remember the the correct the 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 wrong ones are firmly in my mind um place you place for adoption um and so, and similarly, it's like, oh, we accepted a placement. You know, you just, you, you learn these terms because that's part of it. Uh, and there's all kinds of reasons as to why the terms have changed uh, over time. And as far as just how kids, because they hear, they, they're listening a lot earlier than you think they are. And yeah. they're processing it the way kids process things. And so, of course, terms like giving up or putting up, like it just, it, it sounds very negative in some cases yeah. and very much like an inanimate object like oh we put something up for auction you know like that's a that's a right. that's a tough yeah. thing so uh, I've learned, and that's something um, that i still hear occasionally um and if i hear it in something where if i hear it from like in the last 20 years and somebody who's involved in the adoption process says put up or give up i'm like ah ah the writer did not do their research Oh yeah. I've, I've learned from, again, being married to a social worker that, um, uh, I almost never, never hear Natalie use the word like foster, foster family, foster parent. Sure. It's like, it's caregiver is what they say. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of reasons. One, cause there's like stigmas attached to the foster <laughs> system, but also because yeah. often the people she's dealing with are relatives who just happen to not be the parents who were kids. Right. Like, she uses the generic term caregiver and, and that's what everyone at her at her at her work does but um yeah we still think i mean most lay people still think of it as like foster but it's yeah very rarely used in that actual world yeah and incidentally uh you know in the in the spirit of 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 what we're talking about and we can move on in a moment but uh uh one thing that that when you are an adoptive parent you kind of commit to and boy, and this is a term I don't like saying you commit to like educating people and just like letting them know, like, Hey, here's a, here's whether it be a term or a concept that maybe we can try to, that in the future, maybe we can move away from. Uh, and so if anybody ever has any questions about adoption, whether it be the process, uh, or terminology or anything like that, you're welcome to email me, Tyler, battleship retention.com. Um, because there are, there are things that certainly that we still say because we've been saying it as a society for so long um and we're trying to remind ourselves to get away from from that and sometimes it's terminology sometimes it's sentiment like 
so many people saying like, say like, Oh, those kids are so lucky to have you, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Um, but, uh, which again, the sentiment, I get it. It's, it's a, it's a nice thing. And it's something that we've heard from relatives and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, then that's just one example. So if anybody have any, has any questions about adoption, feel free to reach out. Um, the thing you hear all the time that I love is, uh, <laughs> double trouble, oh, double trouble. I heard it. I heard it a couple days ago and uh, no, I guess it was about a week ago, but yeah, it's, and it's always, and it's, it's always led with a noise, oh, double trouble yeah. and just, oh, I love it. Uh, when I, I mean, I, I hate start, it, but I love it. Yeah. I want to start doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I only, I only have one more that kind of sticks out to me. Oh, okay. Um, I have, I have a few, but I'm not that passionate about a lot of them. Well, the other one, because I, when I was a younger man, like, uh, after high school and then a little bit while I was still in college, I worked at a nursing home and <coughs> I often feel like nursing homes are depicted in ways that are, that are un, unrealistic or unfair. Um, but then I've also learned, um, cause I had that thing of like it being unfair I like, Oh, you know, nursing home employees are depicted as being uncaring or whatever. But then I've also learned because of what my mom is retired now, what my mom did for a living for the last, for the last few years of her, her career, which was like working for the state that she lived in. I don't know why I'm saying I could say the state, but anyway, the state that she lived in working for the state, like, and they would essentially show up unannounced at <coughs> nursing homes, hospices, like any sort of, uh, any place that's licensed by the state, they would show up unannounced and find out and then like do an audit and see if they're actually like following the rules and realizing like, Oh, there actually are a lot of places that treat their patients very poorly. So now sure. I, I've backed off that a little bit. Cause I've realized like, okay, maybe I happen to work at a good nursing home. Um, uh, but um, uh, I, I think often the like depiction of nursing homes as if the nurse aides um and nurses are like wardens and guards <laughs> you know yeah. is is not really fair like there's more of a relationship i think but then there is also a sense of like this is our job and we have like taking care of these people is does require us to sort of keep a checklist and check those things off and move on to the next person. So like, sometimes there is that detachment that I think people reflexively see that as a bad cold thing. But yeah. sometimes I think this is probably true in hospitals too. Um, sometimes that's just what you have to do. I think mentally and emotionally like to, to take care of a large number of people at, at, at once is, 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 is like just get the shit, done you know um that said i will say the biggest hang-up i've ever had with a nursing home is uh sarah Polly's away from her mm. which like <coughs> has as its premise this thing that um uh, who's the guy in the movie gordon uh pensett pensett i think yeah and and then it's julie christie is the mm -hmm. he like she has dementia and he like drops her off in the nursing home and they have this thing where they're like we want her to acclimate to the nursing home so we request that for the first like 
month or whatever that they're here, no one visit them. And I was like, what? <laughs> and yeah. like, I like talked to my mom who before her last job, she worked in assisted living and, and nursing homes in, in St. Louis. Uh, I was like, that's crazy. Right. She was like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, well, it's Canadian, right? Maybe that's how they do that. That's how the, they do it up there. In the great white North. <laughs> Um, I mean, the whole time they're like, we're really sorry, but you can't come here for a month. Um, <laughs> it goes down easier is what I'm saying. When yeah. They, when it, say sorry. When they say it up there. Yeah. Um, yeah um, and you know what, actually, and that's something, you know, as long as we're saying super personal things, um, having spent admittedly only like five days, I was at a, a in a mental hospital as many years ago. And, uh, that's something else I forgot that you've talked about before. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of springing all kinds of things on you, uh, in not this really, episode, just, but not really. Yeah. Um, and that was, a, and that was a very interesting experience, certainly because of course you're, you're there, but I feel like just as a coping mechanism, you're also standing back and watching everything. And when you're me, you're just like, okay, how does this compare to say shutter Island or one flew of the cuckoo's nest or whatever? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, but it's such a different, it, it, it's such a different thing because there are different wings based on uh, what people are going through. And my wing was a fairly quiet one. Um, and, uh, but I, but I know what you mean. Like there was no nurse ratchet or anything like that. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah. there definitely, you know, there were a couple patients who could get very emotional and very angry, uh, not violently. So, but loud. Um, and like the, the, ner the nurses and the doctors, like they, they were very firm with them while still the whole time trying to cultivate a, a, a nature of, a, a, an atmosphere of, of, support and patience, uh, with a C with a CE at the end. Um, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, that's definitely, and I remember, uh, when I saw the movie good time, uh, and at the very end, uh, is it, it's Benny Safdie, right? Who plays the, the character. No, no, I don't I'm remember which, I, I want to say that it's Benny. Safdie. I think it's Benny, but anyway, so he goes to uh, a hospital and granted it's a different, uh, his is a different situation, but the, you know, when they, Confirm they do have, okay. But they do have, you do like these crafts and stuff just sort of as a, as a group therapy kind of thing. And boy, that really, I saw that. I was like, Oh, okay. Yes. Now I, I remember this and it was very, uh, it was very jarring, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, so that is definitely an experience that I've had that, uh, granted, not a lot of people have had, thankfully. Um, and so, uh, that's definitely something that will play into things, uh, when I see, you know, mental hospitals, of yeah. course, they're, they're not going to, if a movie, if something takes place in a mental hospital, chances are they're not looking for like a really quiet, nuanced experience, right? You know, yeah. they want, you know, shock corridor or something like that. Um, okay. So. A couple things that uh, I'll throw out when characters drink hot beverages way too quickly. It's just like, <laughs> you, I remember because I drink a lot of coffee and, and I drink it uh, nice and hot. I don't like a, I don't like a cold brew um, or anything like that. But uh, I remember one day I had a terrible headache and I, and I had Excedrin, but I didn't have any beverage with me except for coffee. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll do that. So 
I, I threw them in. And of course, when you're taking medicine, like with a beverage, you need a, a big swig of that beverage to wash yeah. it down. And I didn't think it through. And it's like, what was I, th- this is yeah. so stupid. I'm hurting myself. I'm, and that's when I, and in that moment, I thought like, yeah, this is the only time I've ever done this. And I see it happen a lot in movies. Now, granted, maybe their coffee got cold, but if that's the case, they probably aren't going to drink it. Uh, if it, if yeah. it's in a mug and it was meant to be hot uh, and it happens all the time. And it's just, you know, clearly the actors, if they have anything in their mug, it's not hot. They're not going to be careful. Uh, whereas anybody in that situation would be. Um, and then this is very, uh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let this one be my, my last one. And this is very, this is very Austin powers. We've talked about it before. Um, not so much. I mean, not, not even so much henchmen as like when I watch a slasher movie, um, or something like that. And I know that the nature of a slasher movie is just a high body count and creative kills. I get that. (laughs) But I do have the thought of like, what, you know, what is this kid's family? What are they going to think? Like they, they, it's like, yeah, the kid was like, you know, a, a, a horned up asshole as we all were when we were teenagers. Uh, and so it's like, he or she didn't do anything to deserve this horrible mutilation of their body. And then I think like, like, Oh, they can't even have like an open casket with this one or that one or whatever. And like, and I know like, that's not at all what I'm supposed to be thinking at all, (laughs) at all. Um, But I remember uh, my friend Reed Lackey, uh, he has a, he loves horror, but he has a similar uh, sensibility and he says every once in a while, like there'll be a death that happens and you know, the, the actor or, or actress like really sells the terror. And it's like, Oh yeah, they don't just because we all know what's supposed to happen to them. They don't know that. Yeah. And they're like fighting for their lives. And then, and then it's cut short and Reed had this way. It's like, he goes, Oh, that's, it's like, that's the end of their story, you know? And just, and so you just have this feeling like, what did their, what did they do as kids? Like I, what, what were they planning on doing uh, as they got older? And then suddenly their life is cut short in this very horrendous way. And the last thing they felt was pain and terror. And again, you're, supposed to, you're, you're yeah. supposed to be like, Hey, high five, but it's hard in that moment for me. And I don't know why uh, it's hard for me to not think of what's left, you know, uh, the, the family and, and think of like the last moments and all that sort of thing. So uh, it's, it's really dumb. And I realize this is kind of a sad thing to end the, the episode on, but, uh, yeah. but that's, that's, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. That's a very sad way to end the episode. I, can, I, can, uh, I guess I'll say by like, I'll, I'll, I'll point out the thing <laughs> I pointed out before. Uh, increasingly, this is a good thing for society. Increasingly people don't smoke in oh, real sure. life. And, but it's become apparent in the movies and, and TV shows. Increasingly people like don't know how to smoke a cigarette or hold a cigarette sure, sure. Um, uh, in, in the movies that I, I noticed that as well. So that'll be a way to end on a not horrifying, depressing oh, thought. I, I, I had another one okay. that uh, again, I know that I'm not supposed to think about uh, how a villain, an arch villain uh, gets their lair built. Uh, I, I recognize that, but I remember I first thought of it in 
Batman Forever. Um, you know, I was 13 when that movie came out. And certainly there's an expressionism to that. So the moment the Riddler exists as a person, his layer exists. That's just how it works. Um, <clears throat> but as a kid, similarly to, you know, thinking about Dick Tracy and like, well, maybe this happened. But I, I was just thinking like, man, his layer is really, really complex. Like it raises up out of the water and stuff. It's like, who built this? How long did it take? And also there are question marks all over this thing. Like if I'm one of these contractors, I'm like, so wait, there's this guy named the Riddler who's, uh, you know, stealing stuff and hurting people. And he leaves question marks, you know, I think maybe we have just worked for the Riddler and uh, I think we can maybe uh, inform the cops where he can be found. Um, and then, and then as a kid, I was just like, well, maybe Riddler just killed them all. <laughs> maybe he just, he paid them really well and then killed them all and then took all that money back. And now he doesn't, but, it, but it's like, but how many people would he have had to kill? It is. And, and yeah, that's, you're not supposed to think that way, but no, at 13, yeah. I was thinking that way. I wasn't thinking expressionistically, David. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we've aired all our hangups. Um, uh, I, I think that's it, right? We, I uh, guess so. Yeah. Um, the, you can uh, let us know what your hangups uh, with movies are, or tell us how we're stupid for letting stupid things bother, bother sure. us in movies uh, by commenting at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. Um, you can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Please check out my other podcast. It's called The One Where I Met Your Mother, where my <laughs> social worker wife and i uh watch an episode of friends and an episode of mother every sort of how i met your mother uh every every week and, and compare and contrast this week we talked about the friends episode where uh uh joey and chandler are babysitting uh ross's baby and then actually accidentally leave him on a city bus Whew. and then yeah <laughs> and uh then the uh, uh uh an episode of how i met your mother that has become uh, has a shot in it that has become a meme. I haven't seen it in a while, but it used to be a meme. I don't know if you have ever seen the meme of Charles Robinson, aka Mac from Night Court, sure. uh, looking at something off screen and going, "That's a penis." <laughs> I've, <laughs> I not, I've not seen, seen it. That. No. Yeah. Well, Brian Cranston plays an architect who designs a a building that we never actually see, but the show gets a lot of mileage and doubling like a uh, double entendre and innuendo out of the fact that he has designed a building that looks very much like uh, uh, a penis. And, and so that was the episode we watched that had that, uh, the origin of that meme. Um, that's uh, you can, uh, you can also follow Tyler on Twitter uh, at Tyler pretension. Tyler, what do you have to plug this week? Uh, nothing. Uh, I've been uh, so busy lately uh, taking care of the kids and stuff. Cause there's a, a, a thankfully only a, a flu outbreak at the Smith household. So we've just been uh, taking care of ourselves and the kids. So I've, I haven't been working on anything lately. Well, uh, that's good. Uh, try to take it easy, I guess. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I guess other than that, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.